Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. We're going to pray for you tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for just the blessing that you are to us. We're so thankful tonight that we're here. And God, we know that where two or three are gathered together in your name, you said you're there to bless us. And God, I want you to bless me right now. God, I ask you to bless me right now. God, bless me through your word. Help me, God, to know truth that will steer my life in the right direction. I love you. I praise you in Jesus' name. Shout amen in the house. High five two people around you. Say, you better be in a group. You, that's just all I'm saying. You, you better be in a small group. <clears throat> Incidentally, they've been instructed to lock the doors and not let anyone out till you sign up for a group before you leave. So just, just warning you with that. You know, during the summer, we, we joked about this on Sunday, but during the summer, we have a series that's really not a series. We call it Summer Loving. And what we like to do every summer is we like to have random messages on just random subjects instead of following a particular theme we just kind of do random messages and some of the team is going to be preaching them with me. But yet I really want to kind of do a spin-off a little bit from Sunday's message. I know it's a different message, but I want to do something, a spin-off with that. I want to talk about something insignificant, but significant truth. Think about that. Insignificant, but significant truth. What do I mean by that? Many times when we read God's word, we can miss the small things because we want to get to the big things. If we know the stories like most of us do when it comes to the Bible, we know about Daniel in the lion's den. We know about David and Goliath. We know about all these kind of stories. But if we don't watch, we can get to the part of the story where David's standing victoriously over the giant with his sword in his hand and he's, he's cutting his head off. We, we can be in the fact of, wow, great, good job, Esther, you saved all your people. We can be with Rakshak and Benny. You know who that is? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego? We can say, wow, God delivered them out of the fire. But I'm telling you, if we don't watch those examples and many more, I believe in every one of those stories that I just quoted and so many more, there's what I call a pivotal moment. A pivotal moment. And what do I mean by that? A moment that changed the course of the event. And without that moment, without that realization, without that stand, without that action... Without that person doing something, the outcome would be totally different. You see, without a pivotal moment, David's killed by a nine-foot giant. Without a pivotal moment, Esther and her entire people are destroyed. Without a pivotal moment, Rakshak and Benny, they're toast. You know what I'm talking about? They're cooked. They're cooked in the fire. But I believe there's a moment that we need to see. And I believe tonight I'm going to share with you a moment for your life, a pivotal moment that can change the direction of your life. And unfortunately, here's what we like to do. When we come to church, we like to spiritualize everything. We like to make it spiritual. But what you've got to realize is the pivotal moments 
that we see in God's Word is not when God does something, but it's when His children step out and do something. Let me say that again. We like to spiritualize everything. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm praying that God will give me a job. Well, great. How, how's it going? Have you filled out a resume? Have you applied for a job? Oh, well, I know I'm praying. We like to spiritualize everything because then what we're doing really is saying, well, God, it's on you, not me. Well, you've got to realize these stories change because someone woke up and realized, hold on a second, I need to do something. I need to step out in the calling and the anointing and the gifting that God has done. Come on, I need to do something practical. You know what I'm talking about? And so don't super spiritualize everything when it's practical, meaning what? God's waiting for you. Here's here's a thought for you tonight. Are you ready? Maybe you're waiting for God to do something that you're something, that's your something to do. Let me say that again. Maybe you're waiting for God to do something that's your something to do. Let that sink down. What I'm saying is this, you're waiting on God and God's saying, no, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you to do it because you have the ability to do it. So it's a pivotal moment. Say with me, pivotal moments. Small, sometimes insignificant actions or words, but carry significant power. We talked about it on Sunday, remember, with the prodigal son, Luke 15, 17. But when he came to his senses, he was in a pig pen. But he had to come to his senses and he realized some things. He realized, man, I've got to take ownership of what I've done because I've screwed up my life. I messed up. Come on, he's got to realize where he was. Quit blaming everyone else. It's my fault for where I'm at. But when he took ownership, when he came to his senses, when he came to himself and realized, hold on, there is so much more back at Father's house that I could still be a part of. When he realized what was still available for him, if he would repent and go, come on, his breakthrough happened. Your breakthrough can happen. When you realize what God has called you to do and be and quit waiting for everyone else to do it, but you do it for yourself. Some of you need to come to your senses. I preached that Sunday and you just didn't get it. You're still senseless. You need to come to your senses. And when he came to his senses and went back home, what's the story? He was reinstated as the son. The father covered his nakedness and put that ring back on his finger and shoes back on his feet. Why? Only because of the Father's love. But tonight I want to talk about Peter and John. I love Peter and John. And this is not one of the ones I listed on Sunday as that insignificant yet significant thoughts. But here's another great story with a pivotal moment. And if you're reading through the Bible with us in a year, you would have read this today. This is the daily Bible reading for today. It's Acts chapter 3. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. I think there's power in that. We're better together. Let me say that again. We're better together. We're better together. We went up to the temple together at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That's actually 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The Jews observed three times of prayer in a day. It was 9 in the morning, 3 in the afternoon, and then in the evening time at sun. Set. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily, say with me daily, at the gate of the temple, which was called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. 
The beautiful gate was one of the favorite entrances into the temple. It was the most trafficked. So obviously the guy was strategically placed. He was begging. He needed help. So he placed himself where there was the most traffic and the most people that would come. Verse 3, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms from them. He asked money from them, which they had probably given him before. I, I believe that. Peter and John probably had helped him before because they were regular attenders to church. Maybe they even knew his name. What up, Bert? How are you doing today? I don't know. Bert sounds good, doesn't it? Bert, Bert the cripple at the gate. So what up, Bert? Maybe they had a conversation. I don't know. But this time something was different. Hold that thought. This time something was different. Verse 4. And fixing his eyes on him, Peter's walking to the temple with John. He stops. He's fixing his eyes on this man. Fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. There's so much commotion going on. And you can imagine that this guy, he's not just interested in them because other people are passing by. And he's wanted to make eye contact with everyone because he's trying to get as much as he can, as quick as he can. And sometimes in life, there's so much commotion, there's so much distraction. And that's one of the reasons I love church so much. You know why I love church so much? Because I can just look at Jesus. I can get away from the hustle and the bustle. That's, that's the Christmas words, isn't it? The hustle and the bustle. I can get away from all that stuff and I can just focus on Jesus. And that's what Peter said to him. Look at me. Look at us. So the man, Bert, gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But he had no idea what that something was. Come on, he was expecting something. He was expecting another meal. Maybe some money so he could go and buy a Coke. But his life was about to be never the same again. Uh, And I want you to just catch something. Are you ready? When I was preparing this message today, I just saw this and I thought, man, this is so true. When is all this taking place? This has taken place when Peter and John are going about their normal routine of their day. Think about that. It's their normal life's happenings for the day. And that really spoke to me because I've got to begin to realize that there's opportunities around me every day. The problem is I'm so busy on where I'm going, I'm not stopping to see those opportunities. I'm not listening to hear the cries that people have around me because I'm so busy. This was their everyday routine of life. And there are hurting, broken, destitute people around us Every day. But guess what? We've got to have something in order to be able to meet their need. Because if we don't have something to meet their need, guess what life does to us? Are you ready? Overwhelms us. Have you ever felt like that? Wow, everywhere I turn, there's like a need, need, need. And you get so overwhelmed because, wow, I can't give to them and to them. And and you get so overwhelmed when you feel like you're so small and the need is so great. Verse 7, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. Wow, in a moment, that, that, that man must have been so disappointed. I mean, Peter's like... But look at me, come on, come on, here we go, look at me, don't worry about them, look at me. And then he goes, I don't have no money, and he's like, what? I mean, come on, I mean, what's up? He thought that he was going to get the hookup, he thought he was going to get what he needed. But, but, come on, but, it's not over yet. 
I may not have money, but what I do have. You see, here's the pivotal moment of the story right here. Here's what changes everything in the story right here. What I do have, I will give to you. I don't have money for you, but I'll give you what I have. And here's what he had. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter took him by the hand and he lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And so he was what? Leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. Come on, let's read the end. And all the people who saw him walking and praising God, when they knew it was Bert, come on, when they knew it was him, who sat begging arms at the beautiful gate. By the way, why was he begging arms if he couldn't have walked? He should have been begging for feet. That's a crazy joke. Sorry. So, boom, boom. But he was begging arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. Notice what happens. They were filled. Everyone around. This was a big crowd. Everyone around was filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Not only was the crippled Bert impacted and changed, but others' lives were totally impacted too. You see, that's the power of the gospel. I say that's the power of the gospel. God doesn't just change your life. Now your family's different because you're different. God doesn't just change your life, but now your work's a different environment because people are looking and say, what happened to them? They're not the same. Man, I remember how they used to talk. They used to curse every other word. They're not like that anymore. So negative Sue, here she comes. She's positive Annie now. What's taking place? What's happening? You see, that's the power of the gospel. It's not just on you, but it's... Affects other people around you too. Here's my message tonight. Are you ready? It's time to get selfish. Come on, say that with me. It's time to get selfish. Now, you may look at that and you may think, hold on a second. That's kind of against the biblical teaching. What do you mean it's time to get selfish? Here's what I mean. Look at this question. What happens when you have nothing to give? There's nothing to get. If I don't have nothing to give you, then you've got nothing to get from me. So we can't help each other because we're still lost, broke, destitute. What I believe is, as Christians, it's time that we get selfish. In this way, it's time that we get so much of God for our lives that we have so much of God we can give to other people. Come on, we're destitute and broken spiritually. And then when we come to a need, we've got nothing to give. We've got nothing to pour into them because we're empty. We're an empty pitcher. And that's why I'm telling you right now, you know how different our church would be if you came every Sunday to give? Instead of just crawling in and saying, man, I'm so broken. Thank God I got here. And I'm so thankful that if that's how you are, thank God that you can find help in church. But think what would happen if we would get selfish and say, you know what? I'm going to get so much of God. I'm going to go after God like never before. Because I know there's people who are sick and hurt and all around me. Come on, there's nothing to get so many times. So what happens? People are laying sick, helpless, hopeless and lost all around us. And the best that we can maybe give them is enough money for a meal. But you know what we're only doing? Prolonging their pain. We're not seeing them delivered and set free. 
side thought, the man who asked for money, but Peter gave him something much better. He gave him the use of his legs. You see, we often go to God to solve a small problem, but he wants to give us a whole new life. And God wants to give us help for our problems. Look at this. You may ask God for what you want, but don't be surprised when God gives you what you really need. Come on, don't be surprised when God can give you what you really need. That, life's, that man's life would never be the same. For what reason? Peter and John had something to give him. How many other people passed by that day and had nothing to give him? What would have happened if Peter and John had nothing? What is the hope? The Bible says it's Christ in you that's the hope of the world. Let me say that again. It's Christ in you. It's not in the church. It's not in the pastor. It's in every one of us. It's Christ in me. What hope are you bringing to your world? How much Christ do you have in you to be able to give to the world? Because if you've only got enough for one meal, guess what you're going to do? You're going to eat the blessing instead of seeing the provision of God. Remember the little boy with the sack lunch? He just had enough for himself. What was so much among so many? But when he gave it to God, God was able to take it and multiply it and bless it. You may think, well, look at me. I'm just a little something. Oh, don't ever minimize what you can be when you allow Christ to live inside of you and your reach and your potential and what you have is limitless. If they hadn't have got selfish and gone after God for themselves, they would have nothing. If you've ever been on an airplane, they'll tell you this at the beginning. In the case of an emergency and if we lose what? If we lose aptitude, air masks and oxygen is going to fall from the roof. And when they fall from the roof, gently take them and pull them to your face. And please put your mask on before you assist anyone else. That's what they say if you've ever been on a plane. Please put your mask on before you assist anyone else. That's hard if your kids are sitting beside you. But you know why they say that? Because you can't help them if you ain't breathing. You can't help them if you ain't dead. You've got to put the mask on first. You're trying to resuscitate everyone else around where God wants you to be the life that would bring life to them. But you've got to get the air inside of you. You've got to get Jesus inside of you first. Look at this. You can't give what you haven't got. You can't give what you haven't got. It's time to get selfish. Come on, say with me, selfish. Time to get selfish. I know I don't have a lot of time left, but let me give you a few practical ways to make sure you have something to offer those around you every day. Because I wonder how many times you've said something like this. Are you ready? If only Pastor Philip was here to help me right now and to talk to this person. Has anyone ever said that? Have you ever thought that, man? If only he was here right now. I've had people say that. Man, if you were there, I'd know. I know what to do. If only I could get them to church. If only I could get... But guess what? I'm not there, but who is there? You are. You're you're there. Is that okay? I'm not there, but you're there. Why are you there? Because God strategically placed you there to be the light in darkness. You don't need a pastor to save that person beside you. You just need to live the life of Jesus. You just need to be the light in darkness. You just need to shine. Come on now. We need shiners, not whiners. We've got too many whining Christians. We need some shining Christians. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever heard a light bulb talk? It don't talk. It just shines. 
just live the life for God. If only Sue was there. Well, no, Sue doesn't need to be there because Sue's got our own people to touch. You're there. You're there. You've got to get selfish. Come on, turn to your neighbor. So you've got to get selfish. You've got to get selfish. Let me give you six things, six practical ways to get selfish. Are you ready? Number one, you've you got to surrender your life to God. It's got to start here. It's got to start here. It's a simple message tonight. If you're looking for something deep, then go swimming in the deep end. But surrender your life to God daily. And when we look at something like that and we say, well, oh, that's so hard. How do I do that? You know, I think so many times we make it hard, what's really easy to do. Because really surrendering our life to God is just saying something that is God today. I ask that you use my eyes, my ears, my hands, my life. God, every opportunity that comes across me today, God, I want to bring glory to you. That's surrendering your life to God. Saying, God, would you just use me today? And also, I've, I've discovered this. It's not just a prayer in the morning. I have to remind myself of that through the day. God, I messed up there. God, would you give me another chance? God, I want to surrender. And you know why we've got to do that many times through the day? Because every one of us have the tendency to regain control of the situations. I love this scripture, but sometimes this is a hard scripture to trust. John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have told you all this, that you may have peace in me. Quickly, if you would read John 16, Jesus just told them about the work of the Holy Spirit coming. And that he had to go, but it was better for them that he left so the Holy Spirit could come to be with them. God has just talked to them in that passage. Jesus has talked about how I can turn your sorrows into joy. He's talked about how he's overcome the world. And that's why he says, I've come and told you all these things that what you can have a peace. We can have peace in trusting God. Because look what it says here on earth. You're going to have many trials and sorrows. In other words, you're going to have many opportunities not to trust God, to take back that surrender and say, God, I can't trust you with that. You're going to have many opportunities, but you've got to remember this. You've got to take heart. You've got to be of good cheer. Why? Because Jesus says, I have overcome the world. I think it helps me a lot to understand and remind myself who I'm surrendering my life to. I'm not surrendering my life to a weak, worthless, incapable, uncaring, unloving person. But I'm surrendering my life to the creator of the universe that has no equal. I'm surrendering my life to perfect love, perfect peace and perfect strength. I'm surrendering my life and saying, God, would you take control? And he's the one that has overcome the world. I read this last week. Look at this statement. When you cannot see God's hand, you've got to trust his heart. That's surrendering your life to God. I don't always see it happening when I want, but God, I'm going to keep trusting you. I'm going to keep trusting you. Say, I'm going to get selfish. Come on, I've got to trust God. Here's the second one. You've got to read His Word. You've got to read His Word. What do we want you to do? We want you to love it. We want you to learn it. We want you to live it. Because there's such truth in God's Word. It's so important that you allow God's Word to get inside of you. He's got to get from your heart to your Head. John 8, 31, 32. So Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. One translation says, if you abide in my word, then you will know the truth. It's not a head knowledge. It's a heart realization. We did a whole series on this. 
But that truth that you'll get inside of you is truth that can bring freedom to your life. Are you in bondage in your mind? Come on, you need the truth of God's word to set you free. Are you dealing with financial issues and worries and pressure? You need the truth of God's word. Maybe your marriage is failing. You need the truth of God's word just to come out of your life to give you hope. So how do I do that? Get a plan that works. Come on, we call it the first 15 here. Give us five, five, five. Five minutes in the Word, five minutes in worship, and five minutes in prayer. Every one of us can do that. Get a translation you like. Get your own study Bible. Why? Because God's Word is vital for your success. And here's what I'll say to you right now. If you haven't heard God lately, why not read God? Well, God hasn't spoken to me lately. Well, hey, here's His love letter right here. Just begin to read His words right to you. If you haven't heard Him lately, come on, begin to read Him. And let Him speak into your life. You've got to be in the Word. You've got to pray. Come on, I know it's simple, but you've got to pray. Come on, MC Hammer even knew that. Showing my age right there, huh? You've got to pray just to make it today. What is prayer? It's talking to God. We make it so religious again. We make it like we've got to have this big charades and we've got to have our hands together. We've got to have our eyes closed. One of my favorite places to pray is in my car. How many knows you can't have your hands together and your eyes closed while you're driving? It's not good. If you're going to pray, you've got to watch and pray during those times. You know what I'm saying? But pray. And here's something I think that will really release you. Allow God to give you your own prayer style. I think sometimes we can have prayer envy and we can look at other people and say, man, if only I could pray like them. But I'm telling you, one day a man learned a lesson because there was a scribe, a Pharisee, who was praying a long, lofty prayer. And there was a beggar. There was a man destitute. And all he could do was beat his chest because of the sin of his life. And the Bible says, which prayer do you think Jesus heard? You think it was the lofty person who had it all together and was thinking they were better than everyone else? Or it was the person that all he could do was beat his chest and couldn't even lift his head? I'm telling you right now, don't ever minimize the power that we have when we talk to God. Talk to God like he's your best friend. Because guess what? He's your BFF. You need to be best friends with God. Here's the next one. You ready? Be in church. Be in church. Maybe I'm preaching to the choir tonight because you are in church. But I'll add this, be in church regularly. Don't make church an option for your life. Make it a necessity. Make it a must. Because the Bible says, as we see the day approaching, don't forsake the assembling together. We're in the last days. These are the end times. And greater than ever, we need to make a commitment to the house. Why? It's not church that saves you, but it sure helps keeping you saved. Remember, faith is an important part of your relationship with God. Would you agree that faith is the important part of your relationship with God? So as my faith builds, my relationship with God grows stronger. Here's that scripture again, Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. So where do we hear the word of God? In church. Come on, what builds our faith and relationship with God? Church. When we come together and we hear God's word. And it's not just coming to church. Remember, we want to be his church. Number five, small groups, small groups. Don't ever minimize the importance of this for your life. Come on, we were made to do life together. If you want to get selfish, you've you, you got to get it. I'm telling you, you've got to get in a group. You gotta, we're better together. We were made 
to be together. Isolation is one of Satan's greatest weapons for defeat. When, when do you have the most problems? When you're on your own, when your mind goes crazy, and in the middle of the night, when, you, when you're alone. You've got to set yourself up with people who are going to take you where you need to go. We're going to be talking about Friendship Sunday. You need to be here. I want people who are going to take me to Jesus. I want people who are going to pick me up and carry me to Jesus. I want people who are going to stop at nothing and may have to cost them something as they rip a roof off so they can lower me. to. That's the kind of friends that I want. And that's the kind of friends I want to be. Don't say, well, I don't have to come now because he told me the message. Ecclesiastes 4.10. If either of them falls down, no one can help the other up. Or if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Don't do life alone. You need to be around some people that say, oh, me too. I mean, you, I mean, me too. You go through that. You're facing that at home. You're going through that. Me too. I thought I was the only one because you find strength and encouragement and help. So get in a group. You need to get in a group today. And listen, if you're interested in leading a group, you may say, man, I wish we had a group on this. Well, praise God. God's just called you to lead that for the full semester. Get in the training. Let us know so we can get you trained and ready to go in the fall. And here's the last one. Are you ready? We've got to be open to receive the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is God's gift to his church. I really believe this is one of the main reasons that Peter and John stopped that day. I really believe that was what made the difference on this particular day. Because probably they had some money in their pocket. And they'd probably, as I said, given money before. But that man was there again with the same state, in the same condition. But what do we know if we read Acts chapter 2, the chapter before, just moments before, days before, they were in the upper room. And what did they witness in the upper room? They witnessed what God had promised to them, and that was His Holy Spirit. And we see they began to speak in other tongues. But it didn't make them weird. Unfortunately, we've taken that gift and we've made it weird. And if I was to say to every one of you, who would want the power of God in your life? There wouldn't be anyone that would say, I don't want that. But the way it's packaged through the Holy Spirit, many people have rejected that. Why? Because of the foolishness of man. But I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit never came to make us weird, but it came to make us relevant. Because through the Holy Spirit, it said that nationalities of people were all around and had come to Jerusalem. And what did they hear? They heard in their own native tongue, people praising and worshipping God. What should we have through the power of the Holy Spirit? We should be a witness to those around about what God has done. And I believe that was the difference maker for Peter and John that day. Because now they didn't just have faith in God, that faith was accompanied with a power. Because Acts 1 verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. Here's the thought. I believe a greater witness than you've ever been. The New Living Translation says that you will tell people about me everywhere. Come on. God sent a boldness through His power. And I believe this is an experience that every child of God needs to receive. Why? Because salvation is God's gift to the world, but the Holy Spirit is God's gift to His church. So now instead of just passing the need, Peter and John realized something. I've got the power inside of me to be able to meet that need. 
I've said this before, but the, the two areas of Christianity, think about it, that come under the most attack are this, tithing and the Holy Spirit. And why is that? Because they are two of God's greatest means to get blessing into His children. Through tithing and through His Holy Spirit. And the enemy knows that, so if he can cut you off from those, then he cuts the blessing and the flow of what God wants to release into your life. I I just really believe this, guys. It's time to get selfish. It's time to get selfish. We've got to say mine. It's mine. I've got to have it first. Because I want something to give to those in need around me. Look at this statement. I'm tired of pacifying needs that can be delivered. I'm tired of putting band-aids on something that we have the ability to see breakthroughs and miracles. You know, one of the things I'm so sensitive, and I've been talking to Kelly and other people about this, I don't want ER encounter recovery on Friday nights. I don't want encounter recovery to be the cool place for recovery that people go. I want it to be a place where people know if you go there, you're going to be delivered and set free. Come on. I don't want it to be a place where we can come and compare and we can lick our wounds. I want it to be a place where people know you step in there, you will leave changed. And that's the same for our church. Every Sunday, band, you better come back because I'll keep preaching tonight. But I want that. I'm tired of pacifying. I'm tired of walking past and maybe throwing a couple of bucks. But the need is still there the next day and the next day and the next day. I'm ready to stop and say, hey, look here. I may not be much, but let me tell you about the Jesus that lives inside of me. And I know the God that saved me and changed me is the God that can save and change your life. And I've got something to give you because I was in the Word today. I was praying. I went to church. I surrendered my life to God, not because it's about me, but it's all about Him. But I've got something to give you today because I've got Jesus, such as I am have first come on say that with me such as I have first give I you second what have you got to give bow your heads all over this place I know you said man I thought we were baptizing we are we're getting to that we're getting to that I want to ask you a question tonight. This question demands a response from you. And the response we're going to do tonight is, we're not going to do a spiritual thing while I'm praying about that. We're going to do a practical thing tonight. We're going to do a practical thing. I want to ask tonight, how many people are tired of pacifying needs, seeing problems. Every, I'm tired of walking past something and not being the solution. And I wonder tonight how many people will say, man, I'm ready to get selfish and give everything to God. And, and here's my stand. Here's my, here's my practical thing that I'm going to do today. I'm, I'm going to stand up where I'm at right now. Because that's, that's, the, that's the pivotal moment. I'm making a decision today. I'm tired of life, how it's been. And I want something to change in my life. Come on, I want to be that powerhouse that walks down. And that people are healed and delivered and set free. I want God to use me. But I've realized tonight, in order for Him to use me, I've got to first be willing to be used. 
And I've got to first surrender. So what are you saying tonight? If you want to surrender your life to God, that's what I'm saying. Would you stand to your feet all over this place? Would you say, God, I want to be a vessel that you can use. I want to impact those around me. My mom and dad need saving. My kids need saving. My boss, my family, those people at Walmart, those people at the mall. There's people all around me. If I just quit being into myself so much. Well, pastor, I thought you said you got selfish. There's a difference between getting something and being into yourself. We're not talking about that. We're talking about getting something and being into God and letting God rule in your life. Sarah and them are going to sing. And you know what I want us to do? Just worship in our own way. I just want us to surrender. Maybe tonight if you've never given your life to Christ, that's the prayer that you want to make. I'm not going to lead you in that prayer tonight, but I'm going to encourage you to make that wherever you may be. And all you have to say is, God, I want you to use me. Would you come into my heart and change me? That's the prayer. But in your own words tonight, I believe every one of us needs to surrender our lives. We're now going to have a baptismal service. And you know what baptismal is about? It's not that which saves you. Because the Bible says you're only saved by grace. You're not saved by your works. What is water baptism? It's an act of works. So I can't work my salvation. But as a result of my salvation, come on, works come. And it's that which is obedient to God. It doesn't save me, but it's an outward expression of an inward change of what God has done in my life. And we're going to celebrate with those in a few moments. But we can wait for a few moments because we're going to celebrate with you right now. Come on, Sarah, and then begin to sing. Come on, in your own words, would you just begin to surrender your life? Would you just begin to say, God, I want to receive your Holy Spirit. Come on, we believe that God can give you his Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And we believe that's a gift that God has for His children. That power that wants to accompany your salvation experience. Come on, don't minimize God. Allow Him to move in your life. Come on, in your own words, would you just for a second just begin to worship Him right now. Come on, just begin to worship Him. Surrender, God. I'm here to get selfish, God. I need more of you, God. And more of you means less of me, God. I've got to get me out of the way, God. But God, I've got to be at the front of the line.